I went down to the to the press conference to to be announced that I was the general manager, and uh, I'll never forget. I had my suit on, extremely proud day. Had my kids there. I mean, obviously, one of the better days of my my uh, NFL career. And I went back up to my office, and I'll never forget sitting down at my desk, and literally this overwhelming feeling came about. And I literally put my hands in my head and thought, what the fuck do I do now? During your time as, as a general manager, what were some of the, the trades or acquisitions you made, or even draft picks, that you're most proud of? Chandler Jones, from the time I traded for him to the time he finished his Cardinal time with the Cardinals uh, had the most sacks in, in the NFL yeah. during that period. You got tons of love too for the DeAndre Hopkins trade. So how did how did that, I mean that was one that like got a lot of media attention. I feel like when people talk about you a lot of times they talk about that trade because yeah. it was it seemed on the surface like a one-sided trade and like you won that yeah. deal. Um, how'd that trade go down? Did I really yeah. trade for DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah. Also hoping that it wouldn't get out yeah, because my thought was if it got out and if Bill took some heat for it, because yeah. DeAndre is, is such a popular player, yeah. is he going to now back yeah. come back on the on the deal? Yeah. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Next Up Podcast. I'm Adam Brenneman. We're in Scottsdale, Arizona today, talking to my man, Steve Kime, former general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, two-time NFL executive of the year. He had a great career with the Cardinals, now getting into some media. He's got a great perspective on the NFL, on the game of football. He's going to tell some great stories. I love Steve. You guys are going to love him, too. Before we get to the pod, please subscribe to this podcast. Press that subscribe button below. If you're listening on audio, subscribe to it there as well. All your guys' support allows me to travel around the country, have one amazing guest that show you an inside look at football, NFL, college, personnel, scouting, all the things that you've never seen before talked about in the game of football. So please press that subscribe button and support the podcast. Let's go talk to him. Before we get to the pod, I got to tell you about our new sponsor. It's called Dara Lab, and I am fired up. Because of Caldera Lab, I'm able to put my best face forward. How do I do that? By adding a skincare routine from Caldera Lab into my day every single day. Now I know what you're saying, there's no way this guy sticks to a skincare routine, but joke's on you because there's no way this face stays this clean and looks this good without it. And honestly, it's not that hard. I just needed the tools and now I have them from Caldera Lab. Here's some insight on my personal routine. Number one, the clean slate. It's a face wash that starts and ends every single day for me. Number two, the base layer, a moisturizer that hydrates my skin, and number three, the good, a bedtime night serum that has my skin feeling tighter and smoother than ever before. The skincare world is not just for females anymore, it's for men too, and it's doing wonders for me. So what are y'all waiting for? You go to calderalab.com slash Adam B for 20% off their best products. That's a huge discount at calderalab.com slash Adam B. And guys, supporting our sponsors like Caldera Lab supports me and allows me to do this podcast every single week for all of you. So please support Caldera Lab at calderalab.com slash Adam B for 20% off. Before we get to the pod, I want to tell you all about Athletic Greens. And let me tell you, when I found out about this sponsor, I was fired up because I've been using Athletic Greens for years and I want to promote to you guys the things I actually use. I love Athletic Greens. As a former Division One athlete, I've tried countless supplements and recently my nutrition and my health has become a bigger deal for me as I get farther away from my playing career. And let me tell you, Athletic Greens is the real deal. Has me feeling healthy and energized every single day. With as much as I'm on the road traveling, shooting podcasts, it's hard to have a healthy diet, hard to have healthy nutrition, hard for me to get my vitamins and minerals every single day. My doctor even told me that last time I saw him. But with Athletic Greens, I get 75 plus vitamins, minerals, and a bunch of other healthy things.
things. I don't even know what they are, but I know they're good for you. And when I wake up every single day now, I feel energized. My digestion has never been better, and I'm ready to attack each and every day because of Athletic Greens and AG1. So if you want to take ownership of your health like I am right now, try AG1 today at drinkag1.com slash next up, and you get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs when you go to my link, tryag1.com slash next up. And guys, all of you who support this podcast, you guys supporting our sponsors helps me a ton. So please go support AG1 and support next up through the process and optimize your health and nutrition today. Drinkag1.com slash next up. Check it out. Next up. I've been wanting to have you on the pod for a, for, for, for a long time, man. And it's been, it's yeah. been a number one. I, you're from my hometown, so that's a cool connection. As soon as I came out here at ASU, you're one of the first people I talked to, and and it's been great being close with you. And, yeah. and just how you doing, man? And doing how you great. enjoying being out being out of the out of the NFL grind? Yeah, I mean, uh, 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 being unemployed is usually a a term that you say with uh, <laughs> uh, with with not so much oomph, but yeah. uh, but in this situation, you know, after working for 25 years for the same organization, uh, 10 as the general manager. Um, you know, it's been nice to sort of decompress and take a step back and yeah. see what's next. Yeah. Now, I'm excited. There's so much I want to talk to you about. There's just so many different things. But I've, as, as much as I've known you, we, I've never heard the story of your career, how you got to this point, to being the GM of the Cardinals for 10 years and all the successes you've had. I feel like I've never heard. I was like thinking about it actually on the drive over here. Like, how did you get started and how did yeah. you get, you know, everyone I feel like has a big break, right? Like, what, sure. what was your big break? Like, tell me the story of how you, we'll start there. Yeah, I, mean, I think it goes back to when I was a young guy, you know, I was, I was eight or nine years old. And for whatever reason, I was so enamored with college scouting and the recruiting yeah. aspect. And uh, um, it just always interested me. So as I got older and I always sort of followed recruiting and, and the NFL draft, mm-hmm. um, I just got consumed with wanting to be a scout and a general manager one day and uh, not necessarily knowing at that point in time what it took. Yeah. But um, went off to, to college, NC State, had a nice career, was a you know, three-year starter and all-ACC player, but you know, not, a, not a tremendous talent, that, that <laughs> the guys that I ended up watching yeah. over the years and trying to draft. But... You know, it was it was fun. You know, it it, um, uh, it provided me a platform going to a school like NC State to be able to know NFL scouts and, and executives to be able to, uh, after my playing career, have an opportunity to to get a scouting position. Uh, I went to the Miami Dolphins as a free agent, got hurt there again. Uh, sort of was going to be a uh, long shot, knowing my my upside. <laughs> <clears throat> but it was funny though when I went to the Dolphins, uh, the two guys that I hung and roomed with uh, right away during the rookie um, uh, portion of it was Zach Thomas and Larry Izzo. You know, two guys yeah. that were both undersized. Uh, uh, one was a draft pick in the fifth round. One was a, a college free agent. And both went on to have tremendous careers. One obviously just is going to be inducted to the Hall mm-hmm. of Fame. So uh, needless to say, those guys fared a little bit better than I did. <laughs> Although my career lasted a little longer than theirs did. Yeah. So uh, I believe Larry's still a special teams coach for the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Doing well there. Zach is retired, obviously, and just, just got the news he was inducted to the Hall yeah. of Fame. So... But after I was done playing, I went back to NC State for a year and got into be a graduate assistant coach and let everybody know that was coming through NC State to look at players. Uh, fortunately, we had Tory Holt, who was, I believe, the sixth oh, yeah. pick in the draft. Yeah. Um, a number of general managers came through and had two different teams, the Eagles and the Cardinals, uh, talk to me. And uh, they were looking for young area scouts at the time. So mm-hmm. threw my name in the hat and interviewed with both teams and, and uh 
felt like the Arizona Cardinal position was uh, was one that had some upside for me. What was that life as an area scout like? Are you you're on the road all the time, traveling oh, to, to yeah. It was, it it was what a grind. Are you, like early twenties. Yeah, I was 25 yeah. years old when I started, and uh, it was a grind. You know, yeah. people think that the scouting life is sort of glamorous. Yeah, and Everyone, I think you probably know that scout. from recruiting a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you're staying in the Four Seasons and you're <laughs> yeah. you're driving around in town cars. You know, it's it's uh, on and off of airplanes, and yeah. um, you know, you go into different cities, which you have a tremendous opportunity to see the world, or I should say, see the country. Yeah, uh, and I've been everywhere from Bangor, Maine, to you know Fargo North Dakota so yeah. I've gotten an opportunity to, to see the country which has been a been a great 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 opportunity for me um, but it is it is not very fun I mean yeah. it's a grind you have to love it mm-hmm. uh, you get into each town and you have an opportunity to go to Florida State one day and you're looking at 11 players mm-hmm. and then the next day you go to you know maybe Florida Atlantic and then maybe the next day Miami and you're bouncing around trying to hit schools generally in that region yeah. um, but as you get to the next town or you get to the next hotel you may get to the next courtyard marriott or the fairfield yeah. inn or whatever hotel it yeah. is um you're not going out and having a steak and a beer you know you're <laughs> yeah. going to sit in your hotel yeah, room your <laughs> and, you're, and, and you're drinking coffee and you're trying to get through yeah. the scouting reports that you have to write that night which yeah. generally a lot of the better players took an hour to write and yeah. um you had to stay called up yeah. and if you got behind you were in real trouble was there someone in your career i feel like when you're a coach you come up and you kind of like take all the you take the offense from the coach that you you know worked under was there a a scout a director player personnel a gm who you kind of learn how to evaluate from and like everyone kind of has their own evaluation style that that you learned from during that time well i mean i think you know i learned a lot from our general manager rod graves at the time who um you know really sort of opened up the the door for me and sort of pulled back the curtains to show me what he did on a daily basis, which was a great opportunity again for, for myself to yeah. learn. But, you know, just being on the road, I mean, you'd be around guys like John Schneider, the Seahawks GM, or mm-hmm. I'd be around different um, general managers that I respected, whether it was Ron Wolf or Ted Thompson and, and, and guys who were really high, highly respected evaluators. And I had a chance to ask them questions. You know, mm-hmm. Kevin Colbert with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Yeah. You get to be very close to all those people just because of the business, because of the, the travel demands. Mm-hmm. And you're in the same scouting room. You know, the most colleges like Penn State and NC State and the different schools you go to, they give you one room to watch the film and yeah. you're generally in there, there. And you can be in there with a general manager all the way down to an area scout. Yeah. And, um, you know, at, at that point in time when I was young, I tried to keep my mouth shut and listen and <laughs> learn as much as I can. Yeah. And, uh, and, and and thankful that the business was a brotherhood, that the, you really did feel like you learned a lot from yeah. from those older guys that, that, that paid, paid, paid yeah. it forward, really. So how did you get the GM job? Did, did uh, I know timing comes into it, like how'd you yeah. how'd you get it? How'd you find out you got it? Give us give me that story. Well, you know, I was fortunate enough um, for whatever reason. Uh, I got you know some some feedback from from other teams during the time that I was the vice mm-hmm. president of player personnel that I, that there was interest in me as a general manager throughout the NFL. Mm-hmm. So prior to. Um, the Cardinals GM job opening up, I had an opportunity to, to interview for the Rams general manager job, which now is held by Les Need. Yeah. Um, that job I interviewed for, uh, I interviewed with a couple other teams, Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, San Diego Chargers at the time, mm-hmm. um, and you know, really enjoyed having the opportunity to talk to other teams and um, sort of see what that path w- w- would yeah. take. Uh, obviously, in 2012, 
uh, our head coach and our general manager were let go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had the opportunity to interview for the job. And then I was part of the coaching search, you know, once I was hired. So I'll never forget, <clears throat> we were in, uh, in New York, of all places, mm-hmm. um, interviewing Bill O'Brien. <laughs> and Bill O'Brien was still the Penn State coach at the time. Uh-huh. And um, Bill O'Brien was kind enough to tell us that, you know, he was going to pass on the Cardinal uh, opening, which he was not offered a job to make it clear. <laughs> but he did interview with us at a, at a hotel in downtown New York. And uh, I'll never forget going back to the to the uh, Teterboro Airport to get on the plane. Uh, we had not um, I had not been offered a job officially yet. Mm. And it was it was sort of awkward because uh, I obviously had to protect myself and had interest in other teams and mm-hmm. uh, we pull up to the to the Teterboro airport and there were two jets there and one was uh, the Cardinals and mm-hmm. I had to tell our owner at the time that um, I was getting on the other jet to go to Jacksonville and interview for that GM position so mm-hmm. they were waiting for me to take me down to Jacksonville <laughs> and uh, needless to say I think that that maybe helped my chances a little bit push the Give envelope. Some leverage. <laughs> a little bit of leverage to uh, push the envelope that uh, yeah. and, and I and you know no disrespect to the Jaguars, but the, the Cardinal job was in my heart and it was something that I certainly um, wanted at the time and yeah. was comfortable with. And, and just because of the time that I'd spent with the organization, it was it was a special yeah. opportunity for myself. Yeah, so cool that you've been able to be in one spot for yeah. 20, was it 25 years? 25 I mean, that's years. That's so rare too, yeah. right? I mean, that's a, Yeah, that's it's awesome. really, really rare. I, mean, I think the, Brian Kudikins, who's the GM of the, the Packers, yeah. he and yeah. myself were the only general managers that started at the very bottom and yeah. worked their way to the top of their respective organizations how bill o'brien doing that interview was bill it? was great you know because we <laughs> he was probably coaching me at the time he was he was yeah he was and he um uh i knew bill back from the days i scouted when he was all the way at georgia yeah. tech so uh had a good relationship with him we were you know extremely happy that he was honest with us and he really gave us some good insight to different coaches around the league that he respected and sort of how they ran things in in uh, yeah. new england and how he did things at penn state at the time and then obviously went on to the, to the yeah. texans and i was able to work with him on some trades yeah yeah the the famous uh, d hop trade that was one trade. of my questions for later we'll get into that <laughs> yeah um when you became the gm what was something that maybe what was like do you remember like the first challenging moment you had or the first you know learning curve you had when you're like oh i didn't you know everyone everyone's prepared for the moment yeah. right? i asked Judd fish this yesterday when you first time head coach like what's the first you think you got all the answers and the first thing that comes up and you're like shit i forgot i gotta be ready for that <laughs> the very first thing is, is i went to the uh january 9th 2013 i went down to the to the press conference to uh-huh. to be announced that i was the general manager and uh, i'll never forget i had my suit on Extremely proud day. Had my kids there. I mean, obviously, one of the better days of my my uh, NFL career. And I went back up to my office, and I'll never forget sitting down at my desk, and literally this overwhelming feeling came about. And I literally put my hand, hands in my head and thought, what the fuck do I do now? And it was like, I worked my whole career, 13, 14 years in the NFL, to get this opportunity. And I'm sitting there blanking out, overwhelmed with, with, with stress and fear of what do I do now? And I had, to, I had to quickly come to grips with understanding that I needed to find a head coach, and then obviously find a quarterback and luckily enough I found a York County native and Bruce Arians is our head coach another 717 guy and was uh, he Redland? no he was York York yep and uh, and then obviously you know to be able to to uh, make a trade for Carson Palmer who went on to have 
several great years for us. How'd you know that Bruce Arians was the was the coach to hire? You know what he he just um, we 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 went through the search, and when you go through those exhaustive searches, and I went through three of them in my career uh, with our owner. Um, you know, you, you just have an instinctive feel like you do a lot of things in life. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's a lot of different traits that you look for in a head coach. But, you know, in that in that situation, felt like we needed a guy who was a disciplinarian, who would be hard on the guys, yet at the same time, you know, commanded the respect of the room. And um, uh, Bruce was, was a great fit for us. He was a great fit for me. You know, we were 20 years in difference, but we grew up 20 miles apart. Yeah. You and I probably grew up four miles or five <laughs> yeah. miles apart. Yeah. But... Um, you know, there's something in the water back there that, uh, that just felt like it was it was yeah. special. And um, he's a character too. Oh, he is. <laughs> what you see is what you get. You know, and uh, uh, we had a lot of fun. We worked great together. You know, we yeah. could agree to disagree, yet at the same time, a lot of our core beliefs were very similar. Yeah. What was during your time as as a general manager? What were some of the the trades or acquisitions you made or even draft picks that you're most proud of. Before we get back to the pop, guys, here's the reality. It is summertime. Summertime means more fun, more ladies, more time on the beach. And what's crucial during that time? You have to look good, top to bottom, literally. The way I make sure I'm looking good and fresh and light every day in the summer is with Manscaped. The Performance Package 4.0 has me feeling my best. Last time I was at the pool about two weeks ago, I had the shirt off, my face was clean, I was groomed well below, and my confidence was at an all-time high, and it paid dividends for me. Here's why I love the Performance Package 4.0. The Performance Package 4.0 has everything you could ever need to keep you looking your best. It comes with the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and even a travel bag to hold all your tools. Trust me, guys, you don't want to miss out on this bundle. So, guys, go to manscaped.com and use my code ADAMB for 20% off and free shipping to get what you need to be feeling good this summer. That's code ADAMB at manscaped.com for 20% off. And free shipping and guys supporting the sponsors of this podcast like manscaped helps support me and allows me to do this podcast every week for all of you so go to manscaped.com use my code adam b for 20 percent off and free shipping during your time as, as a general manager what were some of the the trades or acquisitions you made or even draft picks that you're most proud of that you can hang your hat on and say these are like i was i was right on this one you know i think i think the trades were really big for me you know and i know they're they're sort of a crapshoot in the nfl but um you know you can honestly look at a drafting record and say you know a lot of ups and downs uh it's an inexact science uh you know, the things that I would change if I could go back and have that opportunity, but they were learning lessons. Uh, my trades, I feel like I did a, did a very good job in, in that, in that area, you know, Chandler Jones, yeah. uh, trading for, uh, Kenyon Drake at the time when he was, a, a back that we needed. Uh, there were several Carson Palmer, uh, you know, that I, and I can go on with a number of those guys that we traded for that stepped in and had immediate success for, and were great fits for us. Yeah. You know, Chandler Jones was a tough one because we needed a pass rusher mm-hmm. and to call Bill Belichick on the phone and to talk to Bill about trading for Chandler. And, and uh, you know, once he agreed that uh, we may have something in principle uh, to realize that you were trading with Bill Belichick, a guy that knew more football than you could ever. Uh, why is he trading him? Yeah. <laughs> why is he trading him to me? And to really be sort of like, uh, yeah, what does he know that I don't know? Yeah. And, and to really wonder why uh, – why he would do this and maybe how I might, how I might have screwed this up yet at the same time, um, 
you know, looking back on it, just goes to show you it isn't an exact science. Chandler Jones, from the time I traded for him to the time he finished his Cardinal time with the Cardinals, uh, had the most sacks in, in the NFL yeah. during that period. So I know it was over 100 sacks. Yeah. You got tons of love too for the DeAndre Hopkins trade. So how did how did that? I mean, that was one that like got a lot of media attention. I feel like when people talk about you, a lot of times they talk about that trade because yeah. it was it seemed on the surface like a one sided trade and like you won that yeah. deal. Um, how did that trade go down? It was it was it D Hop for David Johnson, right? and then, yeah, uh, and then we um, uh, and then a fourth round pick. Yeah. You know, we we gave a fourth round pick, uh, and I believe they had given us a fourth round pick. Trying to remember, no, I think it was I think it was a, a D hop and then a fourth round pick the following year. Um, either, either way, it was crazy because it was essentially around the time that the new league year started in March, which mm-hmm. is the time that free agency begins. And I don't know if you remember this, but during that period, it was when COVID struck. And during that period of time, the NFL came out and they said there was no physicals allowed, so we couldn't travel players because of COVID. Yeah. Um, we couldn't have any visits. We could not have any um, medical examinations, which in the NFL, as you know, almost every trade, or I should say every trade, is really pending physical, yeah. making sure that the players are healthy. Um, so we couldn't have anybody travel. We were trying to do free agency you know, during the pandemic when you're basically going by – by word that you know we have a deal in place mm-hmm. so bill and i made the um the deal right prior to to free agency and uh obviously it was an enormous deal yeah. you know david johnson for 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 d hop and a lot of things that we had to do financially because you know upon the trade we also agreed to to redo some some contract stuff mm-hmm. so i'll never forget uh we were putting basically a, a holding pattern which was scary as hell because after you make a trade of, of, of that magnitude, you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, well, let's consummate this deal. And that has to be in ink. It has to be yeah. with, with, uh, with medical exams. And uh, needless to say, we couldn't do any of it. Yeah. So I would call Bill every couple of days and just check in <laughs> because <laughs> I was literally waking up thinking to myself, first of all, it was awkward because I'm laying around in my pool every day or getting on my computer watching film from home yeah. because the office wasn't even open, yeah. let alone... Did I really yeah. trade for DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah. <laughs> so my owner and myself would talk every couple of days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm probably every day at that period of time. And I'll never forget. We'd be like, you know, is this really going to go through? <laughs> yeah. And then also hoping that it wouldn't get out. Yeah, because my thought was if it got out and if Bill took some heat for it, because yeah. DeAndre was is such a popular player, yeah. is he going to now back yeah. come back on the, on the deal? Yeah. And uh, luckily enough for us, it finally got worked out. Yeah. Also goes to show you how things can be kept secret in the NFL to some degree, because at that point in time, we were able to keep that under wraps for probably about a month. Yeah, I feel like things get leaked so much nowadays. They right? do. I, I mean, you really how do you deal with that. Yeah, I mean, at, you know, the two biggest things, the DeAndre Hopkins trade and the J.J. Watt signing were the two biggest things in my career that never got leaked, which really go back to, to, to prove to me that it can be done. Yeah. Yet at the same time, it is not the norm. Yeah. The norm now is anything that you can imagine. Schefter, Rappaport, mm-hmm. you know, Glaze, somebody's got it. Yeah. And um, it, it puts a lot of stress on you because, you know, you want to be able to, to, to be held to your word mm-hmm. and to be an upstanding guy. Yet at the same time, uh, when stuff gets leaked, you feel like almost like, it, are they going to look at me yeah. and think that I did it? <laughs> yeah. When, when in reality... Um, you know, I, I would think that most agents leak that information no, because it, yeah. you know, it's not beneficial to the team in a lot yeah. of situations. It's more beneficial to the agents and the player. Do you ever get a call from 
Glazier and Schefter, and they're like, I know you're doing this train. You're like, just hold on a day for all me. the time. <laughs> yeah, all the time. You're like, Please don't put I it can't out. T- I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times that happened. I mean, really? It's, uh, yeah, they, uh, those guys are, are, are ferocious. I mean, they're yeah. like sharks. And they give you, you a heads know? up at least. <laughs> yeah, you know, the good ones do. The yeah. guys that I really respect, um, they'll call you in advance and they'll say, listen, I have this. Um, can I go with it? And a lot of times, you know, you'll say, can you just give me a couple hours? Yeah. The hard part is, is you feel bad when you ask them to wait and then the agent gives it to another guy and it sort of burns them. Yeah. But the, you know, the, the guys like Adam Schefter and Jay Glazer that I do respect a lot, um, they'll give you the, the chance and yeah. uh, know that there's going to be a lot more things that come around that, you know, that, that again, you, you want it to be on your terms if you can, yeah. but you just can't control that stuff anymore. Is there a signing or a draft pick that – what's the one that when you look at it, you say, that's the one I want to have back the most? Is there one as you as you sit and reflect on it? You know, that, 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 that you say that I made a mistake. Yeah, that, that you're just, I wish I could do that over again. <laughs> I know there's a very few. God, I can't, yeah, no, there's a lot. There, there's, there's a lot. It, um, you know, if I had a, if I had a crystal ball, I certainly yeah. would go back and look at some of those draft picks and, and, um, you know, sort of ask for a redo. But, you know, you, you put a lot of stock into the, to the team aspect of it that we have a scouting department we have a coaching staff you sort of all want everybody to be on the same page mm-hmm. yet at the end of the day it's your decision yeah. and you're the name that's attached to it yeah. <laughs> and uh you know had some had some great picks that that you know i'm really really proud of and there's some picks that obviously did not uh, pan out as well as you would have liked and that's that's the business that's yeah. that's why you got to have you know broad shoulders and thick skin you gotta you gotta be able to make mistakes and grow from it and not use it as something that's going to put you in a, in a tough spot, you know, mentally, that's going to put you more in a spot that I'm going to say, I'm going to be driven to sort of see what the keys yeah. were, the red flags were that I, that I should have seen. Yeah. Why do you think the draft is such a crapshoot nowadays? Just because of the human element, number one, yeah. you know, you're judging anytime that you're judging the human element and you know, the, the, really the passion, the heart and the ability to see and process information as you know, yeah. smarts, how much you love it. They're the two hardest things to, to read. Probably no yeah. different from when you recruited high school kids. Yeah. There's kids with all the ability in the world that have the bells and whistles, but you yeah. knew that the guys were going to pan out were the ones that wanted it the yeah. most. You they, don't really know if they love it, love right. football or love, or yeah. how, until they're in your building. Yeah, right. and you go yeah. into colleges and, yeah. you know, you have the coaches as you try, you know, you respect and you have yeah. relationships with, but they still bullshit you. They want they, they, <laughs> they, they to <laughs> be able to have their guy get an opportunity. It's yeah. good for the college. It's good for the kid. It's good for everybody. Yeah. Um, yet at the same time, you know, when you went to Red bank high school in new jersey to recruit a tight end (laughs) you were hoping you got the real deal from the coach there and it's sort of that you know trickle down effect you 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 want the right information it's so important to the process Mm -hmm. yet at the same time you got to dig and you got to do your own homework and there's so many things that come into play that uh you know that that really are part of the puzzle you know it's it's and then to be honest with you we go out in the fall and we fall in love with players on tape mm-hmm. and then we essentially confuse ourselves in the spring <laughs> right. to some degree <laughs> yeah. you know it's like we go out and we fall in love with yeah. Adam Brenneman on tape because he can stretch a seam he catches yeah. balls in contested situations and then all of a sudden he runs a shitty three cone yeah you know what like, well, on Sunday we don't yeah. run the three cone at one o'clock I'm sorry <laughs> yeah yeah it's like analysis paralysis right <laughs> yeah, you spend exactly. too much time sitting there. just overthinking the process <laughs> yeah. and uh you know that 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 happens to all yeah. of us. How did the JJ Watt signing go down? Yeah, you know it was it was interesting because uh, 
um, JJ, you know, sort of forced his way out of, out of Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we had the opportunity to um, get in the game and, and I talked to his agent at length and uh, continued to talk about uh, all the different things that we had to offer mm-hmm. for AJ or JJ to come out to. Uh, did you to, know him before this at all? I did you? not know him. You know, just scouted yeah. him in college yeah. and, um, you know, through through the process of, of trying to recruit him, got to know him a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, spent most of the time with his agent, RJ Goster at the time. And, and uh, it was interesting because he was such a um, polarizing uh, figure in terms of recruitment in, in the yeah. free agency process. And it was prior to free agency. So here yeah. was a guy that was let out of his contract. Mm-hmm. Now he's free to look anywhere. Mm-hmm. And the biggest question was, is he going to go to Pittsburgh with his brother? Is he going to go to Green Bay closer to home? Yeah. There were all these different thoughts. And I'll never forget John Clayton, who's a friend of mine. God mm-hmm. rest his soul. Yeah. John has since passed, but he was a great information gatherer. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget a couple of days prior to us signing him, he put out J.J. Watt's final three teams. And one was the Cleveland Browns, I think. Mm-hmm. For sure, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Green Bay Packers. So I'm thinking to myself, either these guys are great bullshit artists yeah. and they're making me feel like we're part of the game because we're told we're at the very top, yeah. or we just have no clue and we're being used for yeah. leverage, which could have been the case. Yeah. And um, as it got closer, I'll never forget, I was on the elliptical on a Sunday night at my house, and uh, and and RJ and JJ called me, and they said that uh, he's going to be a Cardinal. Yeah. And... Um, I was shocked and excited. Yeah. And the only people that knew at the time were myself and our owner, Michael Bidwell. And uh, JJ, because of the leaks that were coming out about other teams, I think, number one, he respected us a lot because we didn't leak anything and our name mm-hmm. wasn't even attached to him. Two, he wanted to put it out himself. So he sent me a picture that night, text, and it was a picture of him squatting with a Cardinal shirt. Uh-huh. And that was what he was going to post the next day at 11 a.m. Yeah. And it was going to say, source, me. <laughs> <laughs> That's sweet. And I said, if you put that out, it is going to fucking break the internet. Yeah. And it did. I yeah. mean, it was I like, put it out. Yeah. holy shit. This yeah. thing just went out and it was crazy. Yeah. You were getting tons of love. Oh about that. my gosh. It was, Does it um, always, uh, I bet it feels good. Like it's probably an interesting dynamic when you sign JJ Watt, but like, you and the owner, the only ones that know. You walk in the office the next day, and the scouting staff's yeah. all there. They're like clapping for you. When you, no, you know what? The I, and they're I, probably like, "Where'd that come from?" I will be honest with you. Um, it's funny because a lot of guys take take pride, obviously, in what they do, yeah. and they feel part of it, which mm-hmm. is is big for me. You yeah. know, to involve your scouts. So when you do something like that, that you have to do for security purposes, yeah. it doesn't really feel great because you walk in and you have to tell your head coach. Mm-hmm. last second you have to tell your scouts after they may have seen it on espn mm-hmm. and and that part of it doesn't feel good because yeah. you want you want those guys to feel like they're again um they, that, they, that they have equity yeah. in the process yeah. and it doesn't feel great to, to for have them learn because guys get, yeah. can get butt hurt you yeah. know they can feel Scott goes home tells his tells his like girlfriend yeah. that it leaks out somehow you know? yeah and again yeah. like we talked about in today's day and age with leaks you just out. never can yeah. tell not that we didn't trust our, our personnel yeah. department or our coaching staff but you know once you sort of hold it within a circle then and the closer to the vest you yeah. are the more chances you have to keep it tight. So there's times in those deals that the head coach doesn't even know it's getting done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you obviously know that your your coaching staff would love to have the player. Yeah, you'd never force him down down a coach's throat that whether he didn't fit schematically or they just didn't feel like the player had anything left. Yeah. Um, you know that the coaches would would love to have that player, yeah. but at the same time that the the deal's being consummated, that you, you can't sweet. really tell the coach. Yeah. 
Man, we could well, talk there are times ball. that you don't tell the coach. Yeah, we could talk ball all day. This is I yeah, love these no. stories. Yeah, right? is there is there a deal that maybe people don't, don't know about that was like really close to getting done that didn't actually that, that never came to fruition that would have that would have broken the internet? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about um, that, that didn't get done. I mean, there was a number of deals that you know I can think about that would have been really interesting. You know, tried to trade for Alex Smith and uh. thought thought maybe we had a shot at getting him when he was with Kansas City and. The Redskins uh, beat us out on that one. And uh, if you ask Andy Reid, Andy Reid and uh, Brett Veach, who I think the world of, uh, they they, <laughs> they know I was pretty hot that I didn't have an opportunity to to make that trade with them because I think that they had a – you know, Andy has a good relationship with the Gruden family, and Jay Gruden was the head coach of the Redskins yeah. at the time. So I uh, felt like I was uh, sort of manipulated in that, in that trade situation. You had some choice words. And I had some that. choice words for, for Brett and Andy. And, you know, we sort of uh, – I think Andy and I hashed it out over a cheeseburger later at the combine. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Um, how? Tell me the story of how you have the number one overall pick, and you decide that Kyler's your guy. Mm-hmm. What goes into you know you you what goes into that process once you know you have the number one pick, and you're, you probably know you're taking court, a quarterback, mm-hmm. right? What what goes into that evaluation process, and then how much? That was the same offseason you were hiring Cliff, right, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury. So just t- talk me through like that whole. You know, are you thinking yeah. what's the best quarterback for our head coach we want to hire? You yeah. know, what, how does that work? No, the you know the interesting thing is, is Cliff being part of the hire at the time was number one an offensive play caller, which yeah. we thought was uh, sort of the, the the right trend that the NFL was going mm-hmm. in to be able to attach a play caller. Yeah. Uh, and a quarterback guy to a quarterback that's young mm-hmm. um, and really followed sort of that uh, that scenario. And then on top of that, you know, philosophically, just to say, really, I hope to never have the number one pick again because if yeah. I do, I'm probably not going to be the GM. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that we had a number one pick, we had to take a guy that was going to be um, really more than anything uh, the most impactful player for our, our mm-hmm. team at the time. And you could have gone a number of different directions, which is why to hash it out, feeling like that the quarterback position and having a guy of that caliber, yeah. you know, that, that we couldn't pass him up, not only fitting with what Cliff did schematically, but because that position could catapult your team in the right direction yeah. faster than, say, yeah, a Nick fast. Bosa or yeah. a Quentin Williams, yeah. who are both great players and obviously could have been the first pick at the time, yeah. especially Nick Bosa, you know, yeah. a guy that was probably our highest graded player and a guy that I loved. We spent quite a bit of time with him and got to know him. And, you know, obviously his success is, is, is not um, – it's not a surprise, yeah. but at the same time, you know the fact that we did jump every year in win totals and got to the point where we won eleven games and yeah. went to the playoffs. Not so sure again that I look back on it to even know that Nick Bosa could have done that for yeah. us as much as say Kyler Murray could have yeah. at the time. So. When did you decide that Kyler was the guy? Guys, we have a new sponsor for the Next Up podcast, Caldera Lab, and I am fired up. Because of Caldera Lab, I'm able to put my best face forward. How do I do that? By adding a skincare routine from Caldera Lab into my day every single day. Now I know what you're saying, there's no way this guy sticks to a skincare routine, but joke's on you because there's no way this face stays this clean and looks this good without it. And honestly, it's not that hard. I just needed the tools and now I have them 
from Caldera Lab. Here's some insight on my personal routine. Number one, the clean slate. It's a face wash that starts and ends every single day for me. Number two, the base layer, a moisturizer that hydrates my skin. And number three, the good, a bedtime night serum that has my skin feeling tighter and smoother than ever before. The skincare world is not just for females anymore, it's for men too, and it's doing wonders for me. So what are y'all waiting for? Go to calderalab.com slash Adam B for 20% off their best products. That's a huge discount at calderalab.com slash Adam B. And guys, supporting our sponsors like Caldera Lab supports me and allows me to do this podcast every single week for all of you. So please support Caldera Lab at calderalab.com slash Adam B for 20% off. When did you decide that Kyler was the guy? You know, a couple weeks before the draft, you know, I, um, uh, Cliff, myself, and, and our owner sat down and uh, again talked about the pros and the cons and waited out. We had a chance to go spend time with Kyler one on one and talk about the baseball part of it, which was a concern, you know, whether oh, yeah. he wanted to play baseball. Yeah. Being a guy that was a first round pick in baseball and football, yeah. um, felt comfortable with where we were at there. And then uh, really the next step was is to to um, to make the decision as a, as a unit, which we did. Uh, everybody was on the same page. And then, you know, prior to the draft, the big thing was is to be able to start negotiating before you took the pick because it certainly helped you yeah. from a leverage standpoint. Yeah. How much are other top picks kind of lobbying themselves to be the number one pick during that time? Oh, tons. And I played, um, you know, I played it. I played yeah. it up a little bit because, you know, everybody, just so they wouldn't know where we were going or yeah. I had a back – um, you know, sort of had some back channels that I could go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll never forget that day. I called Quentin Williams' agent and I called Nick Bosa's agent and obviously told him that they were still in play, which to some degree they were if things didn't work out from a negotiating standpoint. Yeah. But, um, you know, once you make those phone calls, mm-hmm. uh, again, you think that they're uh, phone calls that are private and, yeah. uh, and, and behind the scenes word of mouth then travels and it sort of messes with people even more that yeah. now all of a sudden if i reached out to those agents who knows what's really going on yeah so it created a lot of buzz excitement uh yeah <laughs> you know you're kind of messing with people behind yeah the scenes, it's lying right? season <laughs> yeah. it's the it's a time in life yeah. that you truly can lie and feel good about it <laughs> yeah, yeah that's great how much how much during the draft are you trying to you know you know all the gms yeah. how much are you trying to predict what you know you're like i i know john lynch and i really think he's gonna yeah. take this guy is that is that part of the game like yeah, oh yeah, of course and then and then some of your closer like, friends, i know lynch you'll take some this of your guy. closer friends like <laughs> yeah. jason light and schneids yeah. and some of these guys at other teams i mean you just call each other and bullshit and say like seriously howie roseman how yeah. who are you taking yeah you know and you yeah. just jack each other off and, <laughs> yeah. and mess with yeah. each other and uh, you know, sometimes we pick each other's brains. I mean, yeah. you'd be surprised at some of the conversations that, you know, if you're close enough friends with with a Jason or a Howie or a John yeah. Schneider or J, John Lynch, that how much you pick each other's brains about, did you like this guy? What were yeah. your concerns? You know, what was your medical information? Just, yeah. just to kind of sort of uh, checks and balances system. Yeah, that's got to be Because everybody sees it differently. You'd be surprised how different war rooms can, can completely see things so differently. It's, that's got to be funny when, especially when the guys are your close friends and like it's draft time and they're like, you know, you're giving each other advice and you're like, are they fucking with me though? Yeah. 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 And especially Howie. Is I he, tell Howie all the, the time. He's a, he's a, uh, he's a poker player. You, know? yeah. you don't want to get into a, uh, in the match with him. Cause he is, 
he he will definitely try to send you down that yeah. <laughs> that he's, narrow he's gotta way. be the best right now right he's doing a great job yeah. yeah he's 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 um he's he's like a lot of guys that have done it long enough you know yeah. you learn from your mistakes you, you sort of uh capitalize on the things that you've done well and 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 just through learning experiences and, yeah. and growing in the business. Yeah. And he's done a great job of that. A lot, a lot of those guys really, again, you learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. That's how you learn the most. Yeah. As you can probably tell, I love like the process that goes into those, these big decisions. So curious about the, you mentioned, we talked about the Cliff Kingsbury decision, but what that process looks like when you're interviewing different coaches, what, what did that, you know, what does what does that kind of month or so look like when you're when you're trying to find a new head coach? Yeah, I mean, and it's your call at the end of the day. Well, I mean, it's it, it, it's in, in uh, you know sort of in concert with with your owner. You yeah. know, obviously he has the final say, but <clears throat> you know you both sort of have a, a a list of of things that you're looking for in a head coach, and generally they're the sort of in the same same realm. Um, and you go out and you you fly around the country, you get on the jet, and you pop around to different places and. You know, sometimes you'll interview coaches from different teams and mm-hmm. try to double up if two guys at the Rams are hot commodities and oh, yeah. do them in the same day and then maybe bounce the next day across the country and do a couple guys for the Falcons or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, however you line it up. And if you talk to 10, 11 coaches, you know, you get a good understanding of, of where you're at. And, yeah. um, you know, but basically when you go in and you, you sort of create that list, you sort of have an identity of what you're looking for, you know, whether it's a offensive coach, play caller. You knew you wanted an or, offensive guy. Yeah, 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 wanted an offensive coach that could yeah. work with quarterbacks, could develop, and could obviously call plays at the time. Mm-hmm. No different from Bruce Arians. You know, the, the the other one, when we hired Steve Wilkes, I think the mindset was a, a leader, a leader of men. And, mm-hmm. and Steve Wilkes was a leader of men and, um, you know, went that route. And didn't matter if it was a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different ways of looking at it. Uh, obviously, when you look at the history of NFL coaches and to see their success, there's no exact rhyme or reason. Obviously, Andy Reid, great with quarterbacks, yeah. great play caller. John Harbaugh, special teams, mm-hmm. great leader. <laughs> yeah. So there's so many different ways of looking at it that, um, again, at the end of the day, I think leadership is really the number one intangible you have yeah. to have. One of the really cool things uh, that I give you credit for looking back on your tenure there the last 10 years as the GM was how quickly – I feel like if, if you guys, and I'm sure Michael Bidwell deserves some credit for this, how quickly when you realize you made a mistake that you moved on from it, the perfect example is with Josh Rosen. Yeah. And how, like most, I feel like most GMs would, they pick the guy in the first round, and like you kind of like, he's my guy, I gotta make it work with him. But you very quickly were like, Made made a mistake. How do we make it right yeah. as soon as possible? What where did that trait come from, and where did that kind of was that intentional to like, hey, as soon as I make a mistake, I got to realize how do we fix yeah. it as soon as possible, and not and not you know <laughs> put yeah. the bandaid on it as soon as we can. I, th- I think I think it's it's um, and this business is interesting because uh, as I told you more than anything, probably through my time spent in the NFL, uh, it's humbling. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you you can sit and pound your chest all you want, and I can sit and tell you that I was executive of the year twice, yeah. that, that's not what I remember. Yeah. What I remember is the mistakes that I made, yeah. the, the, <laughs> the things that I screwed up, um, and the biggest reasons of, of um, 
sort of my philosophy moving forward and how I learn from my my mistakes. And again, it goes back to, you know, I could have held on and you could have lasted a couple more years and, and tried to ride it out and try to protect your pick, which makes no sense. Yeah. Again, it's identifying. It's an ego and, play. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> yeah. an ego play. Yeah. Identify where you've um, made mistakes. Yeah. And in some regards, whether it was hiring a head coach or a quarterback, um, cutting the cord as quickly as you can, uh, don't get me wrong. It hurts. It's not what you want to do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense financially. It <laughs> obviously wastes a, a draft pick, a yeah. high draft pick, if that's the the route you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't look good and it doesn't feel good. Yet at the same time, uh, it's your opportunity to make things right. Yeah. And again, I think it's a way of sort of um, checking your ego at the door yeah. and feeling like you have an obligation. And what is your obligation? It's doing what's best for the organization, not yeah. not doing what's best for Steve yeah. Kime. How did you balance uh, the need for short-term success and like instant gratification and the fans want want to win right now while you also have to build your roster for long-term yeah. long-term stability? Yeah, that's the hardest thing about the, that 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 job. Yeah. It's uh, you know nobody wants to rebuild. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I first took the job, you know, nobody wants to, and, and listen to the fans, um, credit, they don't deserve that. I mean, it, they pay a lot of money for season tickets. <laughs> yeah. You go on a Sunday and the amount of money you spend for a beer and a hot dog and <laughs> to get your three kids into the game, yeah. uh, they deserve your best. And, you know, really it was just to, to, to look at things from a three, three year view, yeah. um, you know, whether it was contractually, roster building, that sort of thing. And to really, you know, draft as good as you can and supplement through free agency and trades. And really, at the end of the day, to me, it was you look at the big picture, you do the best you can supplementing, again, trying to bring in guys at reasonable costs, you know, and and, and try to be able to do one to two year deals. Maybe some of them, a lot of prove it deals at first, which sort of dangle that carrot and you get the best out of guys who've had success. And then you draft well. And then so those guys sort of grow within the system. To me, that's the best way to do it. But at the same time, it's easier said than done. You know, it's you get into a situation where sometimes you panic and you feel the pressure. You start to try to press things, which you're giving up draft picks, you're trading picks, you're, you know, you're 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 making free agent deals Mm -hmm. that are that are big money deals with a lot of guaranteed money, and you're taking guesses instead of knowing what that player is. Because a lot of times, free agency is fool's gold. You know, you're going after guys and you're giving big money to players that other teams are letting go. And as Mm -hmm. we talked about Chandler Jones earlier, luckily enough, we were right on that one. But in a lot of circumstances, why did that team let a guy walk? (laughs) Because they know they know everything about the player. They've seen him all the time. They've seen him. And why are they not willing to put big money into this guy? What are those contract negotiations like with the veterans who are doing second deals, third deals, and when they want a bunch, you know, Saquon Barkley's going through it right now, a a buddy of mine, and like, just. You know how, how what like balancing the personalities. You got to see the guys in the building, yeah. and like you're, and you know that they're not happy, yeah. and they they want more money. And no, then, it's it's tough because yeah. you want to make all your play, players happy, but at the same time, you know the general manager position is a thankless spot. Yeah. If you want to, I always say this: if you if you want to be a popular, well liked guy, don't be a general don't be manager. GM. No, <laughs> because those guys are lined up at your door, and so many of them will come to you and they'll talk to you personally about how disappointed they are, how sad they are about the fact that they haven't been given a bigger deal yet. Yeah. And you have to manage that because essentially, you know, you have to sort of educate them that the, the, the salary cap is a, is a large pizza pie and there's only, only so many slices that can go around. Yeah. And that's the simple way of, of saying it. Yeah. But it doesn't matter to them. They want their slices. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, 
it even doesn't matter if you're a good guy and you're a good character guy. Mm-hmm. And I respect that. It is a business. They want to be paid. And, you know, when you're going into free agency and a guy gets to free agency and he has the ability to go chase the money, that's generally what they're going to do because yeah. that's that's what's in their best interest. Yeah. And it's not what's in the best interest for, for the organization. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to respect that. Yeah. No, that's got to be, too, then you got guys nowadays like running on social media and going and posting yeah. stuff. And then you have... When it comes to like holdouts and things like that, what's your what's what's been like your philosophy, your perspective on that? Like, do GMs usually understand why guys want to hold out? Is it just a leverage play? Yeah. You know, is that like, what? What's well, I mean, the NFL has put in enough things in the CBA that I think sort of minimizes some of the holdout yeah. stuff, just because of the amount of money that um, the players are fined. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you do understand why guys get frustrated in certain situations. Uh, but at the end of the day, contracts are done to protect both sides, yeah. both the team and the player. Yeah. And from a team standpoint, and when you're a general manager, you really have to sort of, sort of face the fact that you're protecting the team from that side. Yeah. So your uh, approach has to be, I'm going to do everything I can to do what's best for the club, not mm-hmm. the player. Although you want to make players happy, and that's always generally the best avenue to take, it's not always what's best for the organization. And just because every player wants to be paid more, you can't just jump out and pay them. Again, there is a big, big issue when you start sort of saying, you know what, I'm going to set a precedent here. Yeah. And I'm going to do something different. And then everybody else now is going to be lined up my, at my door and say, well, you did this for Adam Brennerman. Yeah. Why can't you do it for me? Yeah. Well, yeah. now all of a sudden you get yourself in that predicament. Yeah. And that's a real issue. Yeah. And everyone knows what everyone's making right. at all times. Right? So as much as you can, yeah. you try to stick with a simple philosophy. Here's how we do things. Not everything's the exact same. Yeah. Honesty is always the best example. And sometimes there are times where you feel like um, honesty is, is sort of taken – uh, out of context because you talk through agents. Yeah. Sometimes lines of communication are are blurred. The agents um, kind of put in his favor. Agents yeah. sometimes want to tell players the way things uh, have sort of been articulated to them when yeah. it really wasn't. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you just have to do the best you can. Yeah. Um, sometimes you have to tell players things that they don't want to hear, which is hard because you do develop relationships and you mm-hmm. do care about those guys yeah. and you want what's best for them. You probably, I'm just thinking like you get phone calls from agents and you're like, this guy's calling because he wants more money for his guy, right? There's no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> they, they try to be your buddy. You're like, yeah, <laughs> just get to the chase, man. What do you yeah. want? <laughs> yeah, do you I get want? it, you know. And, and uh, He's got a job to yeah, do. Yeah, and, and, and you know, sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So yeah. you you have to continue to hear those conversations and it's, it's tough. Yeah. Like I said, you want every, you want to make people happy in general, but, yeah. but you just can't. Looking looking back on it in your ten years as the GM, what what was the most difficult decision you had to make? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, the most difficult decision we had to make. Probably the probably the decision to uh to move on from Josh as quickly as we did and mm-hmm. to, to draft another quarterback who was five foot ten. Because <laughs> if you really think about this we drafted a guy with a 10th overall pick the year before. Mm-hmm. We move on from him and trade him. We draft a 5 foot 10 quarterback. We hire, hire a college coach who was fired from Texas Tech. <laughs> if you look at that now and didn't look at there were things that were, you know, positives and things yeah. that did come well out, out of those decisions at times, uh, just on paper you'd look like I should be in a straitjacket. <laughs> Because it doesn't make a lot of sense. 
on the surface. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but it did. But got yeah. a lot of faith in Kyler. You know, he was rookie of the year as a, as an offensive player, and he was a three time Pro Bowler at that point. He got hurt mm-hmm. unfortunately, and Cliff I think did some good things. Great guy and a and uh, somebody who's had some success there. And yeah. you know, you I think again, I that, think we did yeah. some good things. But yeah. uh, uh, but at the end of the day, you know. Um, uh, didn't do enough good things that uh, the NFL is a tough business and uh, you are what your record says you are. When you turned that Kyler pick in, were you? Did you? Uh, was your mind running like everything I've done in my career is going to be remembered on this pick? How this turns <laughs> out? <laughs> did you feel the magnitude of it when you turned it in? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. You know, sort of make the call and you think about it, like my favorite movie, Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> yeah. Get busy living or get busy dying. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is either gonna this is either gonna turn out to be a hit or I am uh, I'm not gonna get the the Chandler Suarez uh, midget league football coaching position. You'll be coaching high school ball. Exactly. Yeah. Give me a behind the scenes of, of what uh, what draft day is like for you. Like what you, is yeah. it? It's like your game day, right? Yeah. It's like- I want to tell you all about our newest sponsor, Athletic Greens. And let me tell you, when I found out about this sponsor, I was fired up because I've been using Athletic Greens for years, and I want to promote to you guys the things I actually use. I love Athletic Greens. As a former Division One athlete, I've tried countless supplements, and recently my nutrition and my health has become a bigger deal for me as I get farther away from my playing career. And let me tell you, Athletic Greens is the real deal. Has me feeling healthy and energized every single day. With as much as I'm on the road, traveling, shooting podcasts, it's hard to have a healthy diet, hard to have healthy nutrition, hard for me to get my vitamins and minerals every single day. My doctor even told me that last time I saw him. But with Athletic Greens, I get 75 plus vitamins, minerals, and a bunch of other healthy things. I don't even know what they are, but I know they're good for you. And when I wake up every single day now, I feel energized my digestion has never been better and i'm ready to attack each and every day because of athletic greens and ag1 so if you want to take ownership of your health like i am right now try ag1 today at drinkag1.com slash next up and you get a free one-year supply of vitamin d and five free travel packs when you go to my link tryag1.com slash next up and guys all of you who support this podcast you guys supporting our sponsors helps me a ton so please go support ag1 and support next up through the process and optimize your health and nutrition today drinkag1.com slash next up check it out no it's intense you know you, you have so much stuff going through your sleeping the night before or you're not, not, you're, not, not, not really. much. probably not the couple yeah. weeks before <laughs> yeah. you know because you're constantly thinking in your mind the different things that can happen yeah. you know i've had the number one pick and i've all had all the way down to the what the 28th pick or something like yeah. that um, so there's a, a million different things that can happen. Uh, so, so many scenarios, so much pre-draft buzz that's um, misinformation mm-hmm. that you get caught up in. So your mind's always going in a million different directions of what could happen. And uh, then on draft day, you really just have to stick to your gut and and uh, and your instincts yeah. and, and sort of trust your board and, yeah. just, and just watch the way it falls and hope that, that good things happen for you. And there's been times where it fell just the way we wanted and there's a number of times where there have been guys that we had stacked that four guys went exactly like we had them ranked right before our pick. Yeah, wow. What is, you know, thinking back to like day one as a GM, what's, in what way do you feel like you personally have grown the most? Like what have you learned the most throughout that process and you look back at, you know, when you first walked in the door there as, as the guy in charge? Uh, being yourself. Yeah. Being who you are, um, not not just personality wise, just the decisions you make, 
the um, the information you take in that you make for the organization. Because again, it's not Steve Kimes' decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, the picks and the and the signings and the trades, they're organizational decisions, and they're not about me. They're about what's doing right for the organization, and that's what's most important. Mm-hmm. And keeping that in mind, and not making things personal, not making my ego get in the way, yeah. not not feeling like I'm upset because people in the building don't agree with what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it's an organizational decision, and don't take things personal. Yeah. Just make sure that you're doing your very best um, to do what's right for the club. Yeah. And at the end of the day, as long as you can do that, you can look in the mirror and sort of be proud of yourself. Yeah. Uh, I heard this question on a different podcast the other day and I when I heard it I was like I need to ask Steve this because it's a it's a good topic especially in like the evaluation space what is the relationship between hard work luck and talent the relationship between hard work luck work, and, and what talent. what's the most what, what's most important like if it's 100% what how much do you need of each you know what, how does it all play into each other I would say I wonder what we're going by percentage yeah, whatever way you want to take it. Yeah, you know, I would say, uh, well, I mean, we always know that 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 talent has to be the base. Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing Redfish said. And and, yeah. and, 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 and and hard work, along with the talent, helps luck come along. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think that's the easiest way to say it. Yeah. Now, yeah. having all three is tremendous, but. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to have the base of talent. We all yeah. know that. A degree of talent. And that's yeah. the great thing about it is is Tom Brady to Wes Welker to Julian Edelman to all these different players that were drafted late, picked in different rounds, all these different yeah. guys who've had success. Um, there's a rhyme and there's a reason. They had a degree of talent, yet the hard work, the drive, the passion, it took them over the top. Yeah. You know, and then there's been so many talented guys who've underachieved, which mm-hmm. has been a killer for people like myself when you – Evaluate and you see these freakish skills, yeah. yet at the same time, you know, a, a guy has no heart, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't end good in those situations. Yeah. You you can mask things for a, a certain amount of time, but you can't have sustainable success yeah. without hard work and, and 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 love for the game. Yeah, yeah. You talk about that a lot about you got to love football. Got that, to. That's like a big. I know it's hard. It's it's something you can't really grade. Again, the heart and the mind. You got to love ball. The heart and the mind. You know, the yeah. heart is the heart is what. Uh, Drives the hard work and the passion and, and, and the motor that you play with. And, and the mind is the one thing also that people forget about. There's a lot yeah. of guys out there that are talented players that actually like to play ball. Yeah. But you, you know that if a coach can't trust you to, to go in the right direction, they can't trust you to make the right sort of, mm-hmm. sort of angle blocks and uh, eliminate mental errors, yeah. you're not going to be successful either. And those two are the hardest things to figure out when you're evaluating a player because it's the human element that yeah. you, you don't yeah. see. Who's the most talented player you've been around? Been around or scouted? I was thinking that like has played for you, but give me who the, the, the best you've seen in person. The highest grade I've ever probably given that to this day, I Calvin Johnson. Yeah, Calvin Johnson was the freakiest talent I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Never seen a receiver that tall, that long, that explosive that could gear down and stop and start and had that kind of suddenness in a short area that was so long but mm-hmm. could attack the – I mean, just could be dominating to a degree that yeah. – um, you know, I don't even know that we ever saw his best even. I mean, yeah. just he 
so long. Just in the evaluation process, seeing something that was that rare and unusual for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I just thought he was as freakish as they get. Yeah. Um, Mahomes right there, kind of with him with that, mm-hmm. that talent level from the quarterback standpoint. So those two. And then, you know, the guys that I've had here in, in Arizona, so many good ones. You know, obviously – the thing Larry did was he put hard work with with the talent, yeah. you know, which why Larry was so special. Yeah, um, he wasn't the most gifted, uh, you know, because he didn't have the elite mm-hmm. speed, but his body control was his his um, his hands, his his uh, just ability to go up and get it in the crowd was just yeah. unusual. Yeah, so he he was obviously you know up there for mm-hmm. sure. Um, you know, Kurt Warner had a rare and unusual ability to anticipate throwing the football. Yeah. I mean, he could throw some ducks and some ugly balls. He didn't have the most <laughs> arm talent, yeah. but he could throw people open. He could throw mm-hmm. into windows that were just unusual, mm-hmm. you know, and he could just see things before they happened. And to me, when you have a quarterback that can anticipate like that, that, that to me is the one attribute that the special quarterbacks have is yeah. natural anticipation. Who's the guy – who had the mindset or that love ball or had the hard work that you're just like, if every dude could be this way, it'd be two, two guys, uh, two guys stick out the most in my Mm. mind that I've had. One was Anquan Bolden. Okay. You know, he was, he was like, um, I always thought he was sort of like a Ray Lewis, yeah. Uh, with an offensive mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, just he just attacked balls. He played angry. He played yeah. physical. He was a four seven five guy at the combine. <laughs> yeah. But this guy was so sudden in the short area. His run after the catch was so dangerous. Yeah. And he and he was so angry with the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. He was exceptional. And then Buda Baker. You know, Buda Baker's a guy that's, you know, five foot nine, yeah. hundred and eighty some pounds, but but plays so big and plays so physical and with no fear, yeah, um, he would definitely be a guy. Those two guys, that mentality that they brought, mm-hmm. are just different. I, I want to do a little, uh, a little rapid fire game. Yep. I'm gonna name some some people you've been around in your career, okay. and give me the first thing that comes to mind when I say their name. Okay, should be fun. Cliff Kingsbury. Smooth. That's a good one. Smooth. I like that. Bruce Arians. Sexy. Larry Fitzgerald. Sophisticated. Kyler Murray. Freakish. Zach Ertz. Pros pro. DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, game day. Yeah. Just, well, I don't know how to. <laughs> yeah. Gamer. Shows Gamer. Up. Competitor. Yeah. Gamer. Colt McCoy. True pro. Tyra Matthew. Uh, animal. That was one of your one of your best picks too. Animal. Right? Steve Wilkes. Uh, leader. Kurt Warner. Magician. Jay Glazer. Stud. <laughs> he is a beast. Isn't he? <laughs> I love that. Smooth, smooth is a good one. I like that. Yeah, you know, sexy think, for Bruce Arians. That's not what I was expecting. <laughs> well, he used to always say sixty and sexy when he was the coach. And Bruce has just got a way about him that's the, he's the coolest cat. You yeah. know, whenever you're around him, he's just yeah, baby, cool, baby. He just got a way that's just yeah. you know, let's go have a cocktail, baby. You know, and it's, <laughs> he just has a way about him. And yeah. uh, uh, the five years I spent with him, man. Not only because it was special being from the same hometown area, yeah. but um, he just became one of my best friends yeah. and a guy that will always be like a family member for life. 
and uh, a guy that I still, you know, weekly catch up with and reach yeah. out to. Saying Tyron Matthew made me remember. We didn't talk about that. That yeah. was that was one of your. Yeah. I feel you went against what a lot of people yeah. thought you should do yeah. when you when, did. You well, that was my that was my first draft in 2013. Your first draft. So yeah. I'll never forget. Um, you know, I had his name to look at, and uh-huh. I looked down at the piece of paper again. Kicked out of LSU, rumored to have dr- ten drug tests failed. My first draft as a general manager. There's zero chance that I'm even going to consider this guy <laughs> because I'm not yeah. going to put myself in that position, right? I'm going to yeah. be a little more conservative. And I'll never forget. I, I turned on the tape and I started watching it, and I had never seen anything like it for a guy his size, a guy who did not have possess elite speed, his short area quickness, mm-hmm. his instincts, his feel for the game, natural anticipation from a defender standpoint, yeah. and the ability to just somehow the ball just found its way to him every every snap almost. I mean, mm-hmm. balls bouncing up in his hand, interceptions, yeah. returns for touchdowns, it was just remarkable. And I'll never forget watching the tape and being pissed because I'm like, God, I, love I wish this I could boy. take him. <laughs> right. So I'll never forget I I we called and set it up where we flew him into Phoenix for a visit because I wanted mm-hmm. to get to know him personally. I'll never forget I went to a steakhouse locally with that night my son Carson, who's gonna be a senior in mm-hmm. high school, went with me. And uh we went and we sat there and about halfway through the the dinner, it was myself, my son, Todd Bowles, our defensive coordinator, and halfway through the dinner my son's pulling at my shirt and he's like, Dad, this guy's really cool. And I'm like, not only do I love the tape, yeah. the kid had just a smile and an infectious personality. Yeah. And, you know, really at that point in time, I said, you know what? If there's any deterrent to this kid not having success, number one, he's going to go back to, to New Orleans from a tough area that he grew up in. And, and really, where does his life go from there? Yeah. Two, you know, if he loves the game enough, that's going to be the deterrent to stay in the NFL and make money mm-hmm. and change not only his life but his family's life. Yeah. And fortunately for us, we felt confident that that would be the direction that he went in. And, um, you know, thank God that he did. He yeah. he, he, he made You're us right. all right yeah. and made yeah. made a, a career for himself and a career to be proud of yeah. and a career for young kids to look at and know that if they made some mistakes in their life, they're, come out of it. You, come, you can have some second chances yeah. and you can you can make right on a wrong. Yeah, that's like the the – dynamic too I think about even when draft day comes is with knowing that every GM is human at the end of the day and even same thing with head coaches same thing there's always in the back of your mind like protecting yourself a little yeah. bit and as general managers there's like a safe pick where even if it goes wrong that's right everyone's like you know well he made the right pick the guy just didn't turn out right where they, then you make the risky pick like Tyra Matthew and it's like if yeah. I'm right I get talk, it talk, gets talked yeah. about for a long time. If I'm wrong, it's why didn't you take the safe pick? Yeah. You know, and it's like that, just that thing you got to play in your yeah. head all the time. And you know, I'll say this: I, I learned a lot of lessons in life through through that um, that position. That you know, really, you know, where we grew up in, in Pennsylvania is mm-hmm. such a different area, right? You know, yeah. it's sort of leave it to Beaver world. You know, it's football, <laughs> yeah. it's it's mean potatoes. Yeah. It's a, it's a certain way of life. And, you know, if you have a couple beers as a high school kid, you think you're being bad. Yeah. Um, you learn to understand different cultures mm-hmm. and to respect that and to yeah. know that these kids come from different places and that you can't judge it. You yeah. know, to the, something that I would have looked back and, and said, man, this guy's a bad guy. No, he's, he grew up in a certain culture yeah. and he made some poor decisions. Yeah. I made a lot of poor decisions in my life. Yeah. I made poor decisions in my life as an adult. Yeah. And, and, and guess what? When you have a second chance... What defines you is, is is sort of how you come out of it. Yeah, is is how you get through adversity, yeah. and and how much you change your life because of the mistakes you made. 
whether you're proud of them or not. And yeah. I have several things I'm not very proud of that um, that have made me a better person. Yeah. And, in, and in those regards, um, it taught me a lot about humans that you really can't judge a book by the cover. And you can't yeah. uh, look at guys that have had mistakes coming out of college or in teenager years that coming in a, coming from a bad area. You know, you really have to to sort of give those kids a right to to have success and to to teach them and to put them in an environment where they yeah. can succeed. And once you do, when they have success, it gives you a great sense of pride. Yeah, yeah, that really does. What uh, what have you been doing since you got out of it? What, what's day to day like? Just enjoying life? Yeah, and, man. Uh, yeah. Going on some recruiting visits with my son, who's uh, going to be senior next year. It's been fun. Yeah. Uh, recruiting has changed a lot since you and I went through it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not as much since you went through it. Yeah. But uh, that, uh, you know, a lot of. Um, Stuff for myself, you know, after 25 years, it's it's good to have just, you know, things that you can do for yourself, whether it's just self-care, mm-hmm. exercising more, eating better, uh, learning more about life and, and your mistakes that you've made in the past and trying to understand what's going to make you happy moving forward. You know, I've very few people can say I'm 50 years old and, um, man, I, I was I was so blessed to be able to live out a childhood dream, yeah. you know, that I was one of 32 people in the world. Uh, for 10 years of my life and Mm -hmm. and to wake up every day during that period of time and my feet hit the floor man and I was like thank you God I can't even believe I get to do this for a living (laughs) yeah and uh looking back on a man it's something I I hope somebody I hope everybody in this lifetime gets an opportunity to do that with their their careers you know and to have that Mm self-fulfillment you know like you got to get recruited by every top school in the nation and you got to play it in an elite level um that's rare yeah. And you got to be thankful for the things that you were given, and yeah. uh, and I, I am, I am so appreciative of of the opportunities I've had and things I've seen, uh, the experiences I've had, and more yeah. than anything, the people that I've gotten to know. Yeah. I've gotten to know some of the greatest people in the world uh, through those experiences, and just just very 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 proud yeah. of of those opportunities. So what's next? What what are you doing? The media stuff. You're you know, media. I was thinking two guys from PA that we grew up so close, so we can maybe get into a podcast. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm going to be pitching you and, on it after uh, after this, yeah. after all there. <laughs> I think we need to. You know, I, I I have some media things in the in the works that yeah. I, that I might do in the future, and haven't closed the book on on uh, you know doing some personnel stuff. You know, may have had some talks with other GMs about some consulting gigs, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, just want to take some time and make sure that I make the right decisions in life and uh, have the right experiences moving forward because I know that sort of this last chapter is going to be the best. Yeah, so no excited doubt. to see what it brings. No doubt. Did you enjoy doing the, the draft coverage? I loved was that it. that fun? I loved Probably it. a little different, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I did with LeVar Arrington and, yeah, and, I saw and that, Jay, yeah. Jay Glazer, of course, and Rob Stone. and We had a lot of fun, man. Yeah. And it was it was so different. It was great to be able to, to evaluate the players in the, in the draft process like I had before. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, I didn't have to you know, yeah. uh, take any of the the heat from yeah. from the pitch. I heard and, you when you got on Good Morning Football. You said something that was so funny. You said, uh, "I'll not get held accountable for my opinion." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Peter Schrager yeah. was like, well, "Yeah, I can, I, can, I can have an opinion on every guy, and at the end of the day, nobody's going to care no or one remember cares, it." Right? Yeah. yeah, but at the time, it's it sounded pretty media, good. Man, you just got to have some some <laughs> yeah. some bold opinions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's the way to go in life is to be able to uh, spit out some knowledge and to be able yeah. to. Uh, let the fans in sort of to that's the fun thing for me is, is to have these conversations that yeah. moving forward to let fans sort of behind the curtains because you know I've done hard knocks I've done all or nothing yeah. and some of the cool things about doing those those TV shows uh, during my time as a general manager was that people got to see behind the scenes yeah. and so many fans want more and more of that yeah. and uh, 
to have the opportunity to come on your show here and uh, talk about some of my experiences and maybe moving forward to have you know opportunities on a podcast or a yeah. show to talk about even more and more because there's so many experiences over that time that I had yeah. that uh, the fans would love to hear. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's fun. It's almost like hard to do this podcast because there's so many things we could dive into. That's we right. could do it for like four hours, That's but right. we got to save it for a future podcast. Yeah. But like, too, the cool thing is like you literally have a perspective that no one else has. Even I mean, right. ten years, twenty five with the same program with the same. Uh, team, it's just like you, you just have more of a. It's 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 really unique. Like, that's yeah. why that's why I'm excited for you in the whole media space. We'll see what kind of route you go down, but because I think you could really bring a voice to the game yeah. that not many that that's very different than what's on what's yeah. on their normal. Well, I mean, you know, it, it does uh, the, sort of the lenses that you that I've looked through through all those years does bring a different perspective. Not to yeah. say it's 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 right, or I think if more of anything, maybe hope to educate some of the fans or to have. Uh, them understand sort of how we viewed it from a front office standpoint, yeah. which I think is beneficial for everybody to hear. And yeah. it's uh, it's fun for me to talk about because I am so passionate about yeah. what I did and, uh, and and to talk about, you know, the, the, the game of football, which has been a great privilege of yeah. mine throughout my career. Let me ask you this. What, what, what advice would you give um, in a, a young – person like you who wants to get into the into the NFL even just any kind of, in, in the football world and wants to have the su- success that you've had you know I, I think the start is just just like I said earlier be you yeah and be you is number one you got to be confident in your evaluation so many times in this business when you have um, evaluations as a younger scout you get concerned that, that the GM or the uh, uh, more experienced scouts may not may not agree with you mm-hmm. and um that's not what you get paid for. You get paid for your opinion. Yeah. And uh, if you have the instincts and you have a feel for the game and you put in the work as an evaluator, you have the right to have a voice at the table yeah. and have a strong voice and don't come off that voice. You know, when you sit there with the big boys in a draft room, have conviction. Yeah. And that's really what helped me in my career. You know, I don't, whether I was right or wrong, I came in with conviction. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what coaches and scouts that have worked with me in the past would tell you. There, there's a... a I wouldn't say politically correct way. I would say a professional way of articulating your thoughts. Yeah. Yet at the same time, be convicted. Yeah. You know, don't come off of the way you felt. Yeah. And if somebody doesn't agree with you, you can agree to disagree. Yeah. Time will tell if that player turns out. But come with conviction. Uh, be strong in your in your opinion, and and do the work. You know, people can tell if you cut corners. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're convicted and you're passionate about what you do, you're going to find some of the little details about the player yeah. and the evaluation that other people aren't going to bring to the table. Yeah. Last couple of things I got. What's what's something about the job that that you're going to miss the most? Do you think the people, the interaction yeah. daily? Yeah. You know the 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 interaction you have with the players at times, mm-hmm. your scouts, the coaches. Uh, you know, it's no different from when you coach. It's the camaraderie, yeah. the locker room nothing atmosphere. Like it, right? No, there's <laughs> yeah. nothing like it. Yeah. Walking out on game day, that the, the, you know, the uh, the butterflies that you feel, and the, yeah. uh, you know, being a GM was crazy because you lived and died on every snap. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's your career, right? The wins and losses. Yeah. Yet at the same time. Once the team is on the field, there's nothing you can do about it. I'm yeah. not calling any plays. <laughs> yeah. I'm not calling any defenses. But I think our owner, Michael Bidwell, would tell you that as many times as I kicked windows and punched things. and the, You're uh, animated up there? Uh, <laughs> the language that I used was probably not for, uh, 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 for children to hear. <laughs> I love it. When, when Cardinals fans and NFL fans think about your tenure as a GM, when they think about Steve Kime now, what do you want them to think about? Uh that I got up to the plate and I swung. Yeah. 
yeah. you know, that I, that I, that I tried my very best and that, um, uh, you know, sort of like the movie Tin Cup. I didn't try to lay it up. I didn't try <laughs> to, I tried to do it the right way. Yet at the same time, I was willing to take the chances and take the risks to, uh, improve the organization yeah. and to give the fans a product that they were proud of. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you doing this. It's been, appreciate it. it's been like an hour and 10 minutes. I appreciate all your time. I love you, man. You, yeah, you've been, you you've been cl- close to me and been yeah. super helpful throughout my career. So Absolutely. I'm excited to see you. I'm hoping you're on television soon and doing that for a long time. Maybe you're back. I don't know, but it's been fun. And hopefully right. we can do a, do some more podcasts yeah. together, man. Yeah, same, man. I'm proud of you as well. Thank you, man. Appreciate yeah. you. Gotcha. That wasn't too bad, right? Yeah, it was good. <laughs> all good? Yeah. yeah, we're good. Let's get a pick. Yeah, let's do it.